Aloha! You are listening to Inside the Desert Oasis Room, episode number 219. This episode is sponsored by the Tiki Bar T-Shirt Club, where their monthly t-shirt designs pay tribute to a Polynesian bar or restaurant from days long past. Each design is available for a limited time and will never be produced again. For the collectors out there, be sure to check out their subscription program, where they offer a discounted 3, 6, or 12-month plan, or you can always buy shirts one at a time. For more information and to check out this month's shirt, visit tikibartshirtclub.com. This podcast is sponsored by Frogtown Brewery, an independent craft brewery and tap room located in Northeast Los Angeles. Stop in and enjoy one of their excellent beers from their ever-changing, diverse menu. Tell them that Inside the Desert Oasis Room sent you and get your first pint on us. Limitations apply. For more information, go to frogtownbrewery.com and follow them on social media at Frogtown Brewery. On this episode, we chat with Kent Thompson. Kent has influenced and created cocktails for some of the best spots in the LA area, including Tasting Kitchen, Grain, Here's Looking at You, and he currently runs the bar program at Isla in Santa Monica. And joining us for this session is our old friend Boris Hamilton, a fan favorite of the show and our first ever guest on the podcast. As always, I hope you enjoy this episode as much as we did bringing it to you. If you'd like to follow our adventures, check out our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Polynesian Pop, where we chronicle events, bars, travel spots, cocktail tutorials, and more. And if you enjoy this podcast, please consider becoming a patron at patreon.com slash Polynesian Pop, where membership grants you early access to podcasts and videos, front-of-the-line privileges to new merch releases, as well as exclusive content, meetups, and screen credits. Alrighty, let's do this. Pour yourself a cocktail and join us inside the Desert Oasis Room. And give it up for my friends Kent Thompson and Boris Hamilton. like sitting and having a conversation with friends and talking about the things that we're most passionate about. A lot of people want to see the videos and I don't mind doing the videos. There's just a lot more work, you know, and I have to leave the house to do the videos. I have to go out and I could do stuff in here, but I don't want my channel to become a cocktail channel, you know, so. That's right. I want it to be something that's more interesting no diss to the people that do cocktail videos but i want to do stuff where i'm out in the field where i'm going to to the bars or going to doing some urban archaeology lifestyle or doing the more of a lifestyle stuff right and i enjoy doing those but then i come home with all this footage and i have so much stuff that i have to sift through and edit and it's just a lot more work but i love sitting down like with you guys or with anybody else and we have cocktails and we talk about some interesting stuff, the things that we find interesting to us, you know, so. Just That's so like the one thing I, I, always, I remember from the podcast is always, that, that, that I remember specifically, <laughs> it was 
They're totally. Yeah, I don't wet. want this to be yeah. a cocktail. I don't want this to be a cocktail or like a. You, know, so you want sad, it to be yeah. like a fun mix of things. Right. I remember yeah. that. And I thought that that was cool because you have these ones where you get these like uh, dancers on here, but you know, like. Uh, well, you know, like. Or like just different. Some people have their their niche. Yeah. And that's yeah. that's fine. I don't have a problem with that. But um, there's a reason why I I uh, am choosing to do a lifestyle video, and. Boris may know this, he may not, I'll, I'll tell you. Um, there was a time when I wanted to, when I was trying to find out more about my family, and I was hitting a, a dead end. Because here's the thing, like... Like genealogy stuff with your family? Genealogy stuff, right? So I don't know anything farther than my grandfather, my dad's dad, okay. right? And I was too young and self-centered to ask my dad about his grandfather mm -hmm. and his great-grandfather and so on and so forth. And the same thing with my mom. By the time I was old enough to care, my dad was gone, my mom had dementia, and there's no records of us past my, great, my, past my grandparents because those were the oldest ones that migrated from the Philippines, right? So okay. anyone before then, they're in the <laughs> Philippines. And so I brought in an, a, a, an one of my aunts, my dad's sister, and I interviewed her and asked her all these questions. And I learned all these things about them because I asked her, but also I learned that part of why I don't know is because some of them had gotten divorced at a young age, at her, a young age for her, okay. and they were already out of her life. And it, it was a kind of a bummer to me because I don't even know what my great-grandfather's name was, my grandfather's father, right? I don't know what he looks like, none of that stuff, right? So I just don't even want a name, right? Dang. It'd be great to know like the origin of my last name and all that stuff, but I don't know any of that. So one day it occurred to me, and I just kept getting pressured to do videos. Like I had a sponsor that kept wanting me to do videos, and I kept resisting it because I knew they weren't gonna pay me more for, for doing videos. They just wanted more exposure. Um, and so I kept resisting it for that reason, but then this is what changed my mind. I realized that if I record what I'm doing, and I'm not an influencer where it's just like, here's what I'm having for breakfast, but if I record, if I record what I'm doing, if people see like who I'm hanging out with and, and the places that I go, the, the car that I drive and all this kind of stuff, all these mundane things that people think are stupid to record, yeah. it's the greatest gift I could give to my grandkids and their grandkids and their grandkids. Because if I had that from all of my ancestors, it'd be like a time machine, yeah, right? Yeah. I'd get to see what the Philippines was like in the 1800s and who my great-grandfather, not only his name, but what he looked like, where he lived, who his friends were, what he did every day. Like That to me would be like such a gift. I just wanna know what my great-grandfather's name was, let alone a photo. But if I had like a video log of all the things that he loved to do, yeah. my great-grandkids, who knows where they'll be? They might, they might be like, Check out these videos of my great grand great 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 grandfather. He was Filipino and he lived in California. Yeah. You know, it sounds funny that we say that now because that's where we live now and we're living in that time now. But this is a time capsule for them, right? And I know it sounds cheesy, but like it's something I don't think that it does. it's something that I always wanted. And I, I think and there's still islands in the Philippines that look like the eighteen hundreds. Sure. Yeah, there are tribes all over the world that's they're still not talking to civilization, right? But to me, like it's, it's like I said, it's something that I want, and and here's proof that I think it's going to be interesting. Someone posts a video on YouTube from the 1940s, 
and they're just driving down Sunset Boulevard. It's a 10 minute oh, driving down Sunset Boulevard. Constantly. And people go crazy. Every yeah. decade. Right? Yeah. Every decade. The vintage LA will share one of those. <laughs> and, it's just, driving. and it's just some dude driving like, down Sunset. Six blocks down Wilshire and everyone's like, oh my God. Right. Now what if that was, what if that was their fifth great grandfather that was driving that? And what if that video had footage of their fifth great grandfather eating at Musso and Frank's, drinking at Tiki Tea. I'm just using these as examples. Like, how much cooler would that video be, yeah. right? Sure. So that's why I do the vlogs. That's why when my fifth grade grandkids find my videos, it's not me showing them how to make a Mai Tai. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, now you guys are part of that, right? You're in my videos. Well, right. I want them to learn how to make a Mai Tai too, though. <laughs> right. But they're gonna be like, Check it out, this was his tiki room. Those were his friends. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, these guys like f four generations, five generations away, they probably won't be in the United States anymore. Who knows where they're gonna be, you know? And they'll, they're gonna find that stuff fascinating, I think. I would hope, you know? I don't know. I relate to what, everything that you're saying like big time. I lost my uh, dad when I was 12 years old and uh, my mom when I was 21 years old. I'm 38 now. Wow. wow. And uh, my, so I, you know, we have a ton of pictures and things like that. And I remember my dad back in, I guess, I guess that'd be the late '80s now when they had those like those jumbo video cameras that you held on like the side of your shoulder. Well, you put the actual yeah. VHS he, tape. Yes, in yes. The he had. He got one of those. And my dad was like big into tech, um, and <clears throat> so we have these like videos. We used to go to Hawaii every year. Uh, my, you know, my my dad was a carpenter. He had his own business, so. He actually did really well for himself uh, until he got sick. So he, he died of cancer, but uh, he, he had all these things. And my sister went back and took all these old VHS that we had and transferred them into like a disc, like a, yeah. a DVD format. And they mean so much to me. Right. And I just think that that's really cool and, and, and such a great idea. You know, that, that family is really everything and that history and having that. Yeah. It's really cool. And if they go nowhere, they go nowhere. But sure. at least I have them. I made them. And I know that my kids would like them. I like going back and seeing their videos. My son tried to do the YouTube thing when he was like 12 years old. Uh -huh. He did this Nerf gun review channel. <laughs> That's so and cool. And <laughs> he, would, he would build Nerf guns, like custom Nerf guns. Like That's he'd awesome. Take, <laughs> he'd take different Nerf guns and he'd like Frankenstein some together and he'd paint them and he would do reviews on them, right? And he had like all these videos and it never took off. And But he didn't know that I downloaded all the videos as they'd come out because he just deleted the channel and at the time he was embarrassed about it, right? But now as a young adult, he's in his 20s, I bet he'd get a kick out of it. You know, he'd get a kick, more of a kick out of it is when he's a, he's got his own kids. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. he can show them, right? So, you know, for me, like, if they go nowhere, then they go nowhere. But they're there, like for for my family or whoever else wants them, right? Yeah. And um, again, it's not just me showing you how to make a mai tai or showing you how to make a zombie or showing you how to like talking about flaming drinks or anything like that. You know, which are cool. <laughs> they are they are cool, and we all enjoy that kind of content. Yeah, But sure, to sure. me, that's what I want to leave behind is something that's more meaningful to to my fifth or 10th or 12th generation grandkids to find, you know? Totally. They could see what, 
what life was like, the places that I hung out with, what my friends looked like, the car I drove, the place that I lived in, you know. The Mazdas in your vlogs? The Mazdas in my vlogs. Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> what's, the, what's the Mazda? The car I drive. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so, so uh, yeah. So that's the, that's the long, cheesy description of why I do the vlogs and why I do less and less of the why I don't want to have a cocktail channel sure. and why I, I do less and less of the podcast, although I really love doing the podcast. It's just I have to be more, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, I've just Life has just taken over, you know, so I have to re be more intentional about it, you know, so. Which is why, you know, thank you to Boris, right, for setting this up. Uh, yeah, it was his you. idea. Oh, good. Well, I, uh, <laughs> I don't know. It, it was my. I, I said to Boris, I said I would love to go to the Desert Oasis room and hang out and have some drinks. You know, I, that's, that, you know, I, I wasn't sure what that all entailed, but I just figured it would be cool to come check this place out. You know, hang out, have some fun drinks. What an honor for me. Man. What an honor, me, man. Yeah. Thank no for me yeah. that you would say that and and think that and then. And then you packed up a cooler and boxes of rum. And well, then you're making us look at this thing, man. And look at this. You're infusing spirits and you're, and you're making syrups. Like I know what I said, but hopefully I just said, really? <laughs> <laughs> hey, I can count on Boris. You know, the thing is, when I decided to start a podcast, uh, he's the first person I called. Really? Yeah. And so wait, how did you guys meet? I don't uh, remember. Tiki Central had a lot to do with it. Oh, Tiki okay. Central. And then I, yeah, and then I met him at Tiki T. He introduced himself. I don't remember this. I that's. I walked in and you were sitting on the stool on the uh, the doorman stool. One of the red ones. And uh, and you're like, hey, you're, aren't you Boris? And I was like, yeah. You remember this? And you were like, I'm Polynesian Pop. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. And then I went and sat at the bar and was probably like. Oh, yeah. what a fucking weird! <laughs> That's at Boris for sure. I was yeah. on the far. Mikey was on the far end back then, and I was like, "I'm gonna go, down, right. I gotta yeah. go down here. <laughs> I'm gonna go down here and get away from that guy." Uh, back in the days when they set your drink down here for like, you had like three seconds to pay. Yeah, there was no tabs, and you know, pre pre credit card, there was no tabs in those days. No tabs. Like pre credit card days here, which was like seven years ago. <laughs> Here comes the drink. drink. Pay now. Yeah, yeah. They wouldn't leave until you paid. What? And then Mikey yeah, does I this remember. thing where he's like, he still does it, where he's like, uh, it's uh, 34. Yeah. <laughs> he still does it. It's he like, dude, it. you still have to pause to think about how much it costs. You've been working here for 25 years. <laughs> That's just a delivery. Uh, it's uh, You got to math. Uh, you got to do quick math. I get it. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. But he's like, ha he's like, does like a half lean too. It's uh, <laughs> seventeen. <laughs> That's hilarious. Leave it open. Leave it open. <laughs> I love it. I love it. You know, apparently, I made him cry yesterday. Apparently. So I did a symposium yesterday on the history of the Tiki T, Ray Bion and the Tiki T, and um, Mikey walked up afterwards and. His eyes were all puffy, and he's yeah. like, "Thank you for telling the story of my family." Wow. <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, man, like." You know, it, it just what it came down to is I did this symposium on the Filipino bartenders, and I was looking for a symposium to do this year, 
And I thought, well, maybe I should drill down on one of those guys. And I was trying to figure out which which guy should I drill down on? Like, who's going to be the easiest to research? Like, who basically who has the most information? Sure. Then I thought, oh, well, shit, Ray. Like, yeah. it never crossed my mind until I, that crossed my mind to drilling it, down well, into I, one I, of the guys. I imagine there was a bunch of them, but you know, there's like, a bunch. I mean, you could probably find stuff. Dozens, on, but uh, probably find stuff on Mariano, Tony Ramos. But yeah. all the other guys yeah. are too well, obscure. The tips guy is is big. The tips guy is big. Um, Bobby Batugo. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I don't know. Like I I've been going to the Tiki T for so long and known the family for so long that it just I just thought, oh well, shit. Why don't I do one on Ray? And that's what I did. Um, now, I saw I saw your symposium at Tiki Caliente in May. Much different than it I is. I don't remember if now. I was in it. Uh, if I'm not, then we need to fix that. Oh yeah, we can fix that. Okay. Yeah, okay, cool. <laughs> well, what, I can't what, believe you wouldn't be in it though. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't. I think I may have been. You should have in, been. Yeah, well, I don't know. Yeah. What, what How it? did you start going to the tea originally? Great question. So, I used to work. There's two re- two really good explanations for that. Uh, I used to work in Santa Monica area. I lived in Diamond Bar, but I worked off Santa Monica and Saltel. Okay. And when I'd get off work. Sometimes I'd go to the gym, and then sometimes I'd go to the Tiki Tea. I was always trying to do something that was keeping me out of the traffic until the traffic died down. It's a lot worse these days. It was bad then. It was a lot worse these days. Like I didn't need as much time these days. I could just distract myself for a couple hours and then hop on the freeway at like 7 or 8 o'clock. It was Mm -hmm. fine. If you do that these days, it's horrible still at 7 o'clock. That's one. And another reason why I would stop there was... I used to go, I was one of these club kids <laughs> I was in my 20s. I'd go clubbing in Hollywood. Okay. We'd go to the Diamond Club and Arena and Circus and like, I know, look at Boris's disgusting look on my, his face. I his feel, looking. is Arena still around? That name sounds so familiar. I don't think it's around uh-huh. anymore. Um, but yeah, Renaissance, uh, well, I went to all the clubs yeah. and they served shitty drinks yep. and we'd go to Tiki Tea first because we'd have a strong cocktail that we enjoyed. Um, we'd have one or two of those before we'd hit the clubs. And that was another reason why I'd go there. But I didn't go there like, you know, at the very, very most, like once a month. I remember in the late 90s, someone had was doing a night at the Florentine Gardens mm-hmm. and it was a foam party. <laughs> Where they filmed, filled the room with foam and you'd right. be dancing and like making your own You tunnels. said you went to a bunch of those in your time. I wish I did. Oh. I never, me and my friends were like, let's go to this foam party. And it was like, you know, any other group of friends were, were like, yeah, never happened. I always <laughs> wanted, so I'm pissed. In my 20s, which was in the 90s, I always wanted to go. Same here, same here, by the way. We're about the same age. <laughs> I always wanted to go to a foam party because they all look so cool. Oh, yeah. But I kind of still want to go to phone parties. The phone parties need to come back. I never knew where they were, so I never had a chance to go to one. And then I talked my way into feeling better about it, thinking like, oh, well, everybody's going to be sticky, and you're going to be sticky afterwards, (laughs) you know. You're going to be clean, though. You're going to be squeaky (laughs) squeaky clean. It's like going to the dog wash or whatever, the groomer. So Boris knows this, but Kent, back then, I had blonde hair. Oh, nice. Because I was a club. I was bleach bleach blonde. blonde. Nice. I will say this. 
when people that that age old question do blondes have more fun <laughs> absolutely because because i was bleaching my hair all the time and everybody wanted to buy me drinks and it was easy to meet girls would, would you say for that trend were you ahead of it yeah because i was like it's coming back i feel like well, i've seen a lot back more, then right? there were no asian guys doing it i was the okay. only one i'd go to the clubs and other asian guys would look at me like oh look at this guy he thinks he's fucking like but i'd be like yeah but Look who I'm hanging out with. Pre-Kobayashi. Pre-Kobayashi. That's and, right. And here's how I know, too, right? I bleached it so much because as the roots grew out, I'd bleach it again. But yeah. then you can't avoid bleaching the rest of it. So then it would die, right? It turned into a head of dry grass. And so shaved it off, yep. grow it back out, bleach it again. Then one time I thought, you know what? My hair is just going to fall out of my head if I keep doing this. So shaved it all down dyed the roots black so that as it grew back out it would all be black and then i'll bleach it blonde again after it grows out let me tell you when my hair was black again no one looked at me no way no one bought me drinks no one flirted with me nothing happened ordinary joe nothing yeah ordinary joe but when i was blonde adrian it life was good in man. The, in the late 80s i um my hair's always been lighter brown and when i was a kid it was blonde uh, just from living in Huntington Beach and going to the beach and everyone had a pool and all that. But uh, so in the late 80s, I would I w had a friend from work. His wife was, a, you know, a, ran a beauty salon or whatever. So I would get my hair bleached. Mm -hmm. But she did it in a way that was like weird where they were doing like the tinfoil and all this. Oh, yeah. It was a little leopardy. You had it frosted. I had my hair frosted. <laughs> <laughs> I sent you a picture. I'm at the, um, the Mai Tai bar in the Imperial Palace. Oh, have, nice. I have frosted, frosted tips. <laughs> Boris with frosted tips. No one said anything. Take me back to Ben Affleck, Matt Damon. You know, like, no one like said anything at the time, but when it was when I quit doing it, there everyone would be like, "Yeah, I'm not. I'm glad you're not doing the leopard thing anymore." And I was like, "What are you talking about? <laughs> the leopard thing? <laughs> That's what you gotta say." No one admitted. No one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank God he's not doing that. <laughs> that is hilarious. That. You have photos? I do. Oh, you gotta share those with me. Yeah. Can I share them on my Instagram? We're gonna. <laughs> I'm going to give it to you before this airs, and you can put it in the comments. Or oh, my God. Okay. Yeah. You heard it first, you guys. So if they're not in the comments, it's because Boris stopped me. <laughs> you heard it first. Leopard. I don't think it looked leopard, but everyone's like, oh, yeah, it was kind of like a leopard look. You do the leopard thing like, again. You know, blonde, like white and tan or white and spotty or whatever. I'm so later on, like with that The Rush Hour movie, yeah. there was a villain, an Asian guy with blonde hair. Yes, I know which one you're and talking someone about. Someone said to me one time, like, hey, is she going to do that villain thing, like the Asian villain thing again? Oh and I was God. like, what are you talking about? And they're like, yeah, Rush Hour. You know Rush Hour? I'm like, yeah. And like, yeah, the Asian guy. The, the Asian guy with the blonde hair. And yeah. I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> he really looked like uh, Alyssa Milano from Mortal Kombat or whatever that was. <laughs> oh, what was the fighting? What's the fighting video game? Yeah, Mortal Kombat. Oh, Street Fighter. Street, Street Fighter. Fighter. It was either Mortal Kombat or Street Fighter. They made a movie. I'll tell you this, Boris. If you if you post your frosted tips photo, I'll post my blonde hair. You photo. love your blonde hair. I do you? love That's my blonde hair. Yeah, I post you, it all the time. I've seen you whip that thing out <laughs> more than you whip out your credit card. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, man! Oh my god, yeah. It was a good time in my life. Sure, it was fun. I, I was friends. I was kind of best friends with Fabio at the time. No way. Yeah, Fabio the model. Oh yeah, I know Fabio. I saw his car break down in front of the Del Taco on uh, Highland and Santa Monica one time. Oh, love it, yeah. love it. That makes sense. I, 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 my first motorcycle I ever bought, I bought it from 
I want to say a shady dealership in Alhambra, like a one-off, and I saw him there. Dead <laughs> oh, serious. that's hilarious. Dead serious. So you was it a Ducati? It yeah, it was yeah, a Ducati. Yeah, it was a Ducati. He rode Ducatis, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious. I, mean, I love I'm sure, it. I'm sure Fabio was a good guy. He was a good guy. Yeah. He actually was a good sport about the way people saw him, too. Yeah, yeah. why not? And yeah. he, he was At the end of the day, he was still hooking up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he was a fun guy. But I want to... I want to... I want to ask Kent if can, if we can talk him into making us another drink. What do you think? I think he he will. Yeah, I will, I will, almost definitely. Yeah, I've got this. Or, I've got I've got this stuff <laughs> I, out I, for I don't it. know why I'm saying. I think he'd be up for it. <laughs> all right, all right. I think we can. I think we can make that happen. I'd love that. And and while we're while you're doing that, I want to tell people about who you are because it's a real treat to have you here, Kent. Thank you. You, you are. Uh, I'm excited. I don't even live here. Right, you're one of the more skilled bartenders in the Los, greater Los Angeles area. Thank you. Um, coming from the Tasting Kitchen in Venice, and then Grain, which is the speakeasy in the back of Playa Provisions. Which I love. Uh, we I gotta love get it back there quick. I love it too. They have this um, this pretzel burger on Thursdays. Oh my God! Yeah, that was from the Triple. Okay. When, when that was still open, they had this pretzel burger there with the uh, apricot jam and like truffle or something or other. Is that is that the one that they're I still doing? I think so. I, yeah. And like they'll post it like Thursday morning, and then at the end of the night they'll be like, "It's gone." Love it. And I, it's so out, I don't love truffle. Truffle tastes like feet to me, but sure, I'm sure. still gonna give it a shot. <laughs> <laughs> and then from Green, here's looking at you. Yeah, another one of my favorite H-Lay. bars. He's, H-Lay. he's taught me how to say that. Because H-Lay. Here's looking at you is a mouthful. Best best mai tai in the city. If best if mai tai I, if I do in say Southern so. California. One hundred percent. I yeah. say that all the time. I yeah. say that all the time too. I say that all the time. Like people, I, I will punch someone. People challenge they, me and say, "Well, that's a that's a pretty bold statement." I hear that a lot. The, the, the mai tai is the reason. One of the I shouldn't say the reason. It's one of the reasons I really wanted to work there. Was that mai tai? Oh really? Yeah yeah. You know so Jonathan Whitener. He was, and for our listeners that don't know, he's the owner of Here's Looking at You. He later opened another spot called All Day Baby. Uh, Jonathan Whitener, a friend of the podcast, um, he is, was, one of, is, was one of the regulars at Tiki Tea. That's how I met him. And at the time, he was working at Animal. He was like the head chef he guy. He was the guy. At, at Animal. Yeah. And, um, he was the animal. He was the animal. He is the animal. As a matter of fact, the animal. I used to call him animal. I used to call him animal because I didn't know what his name was. I'd say, "Hey, what's up, animal?" And he'd be like, "Oh, okay, I'll take that." <laughs> so that anyway, sounds like him. yeah, it does. So one day he opens. Here's looking at you, and we're like, "Oh, we got to try." Here's looking at you, and Jonathan has always been such a great hospitality guy, right? So we walk in, me, Boris, and a couple friends. We were doing it. We're doing a. L.A. crawl. One of our L.A. crawls. And all of a sudden... 11 Mm a.m. They were doing brunch still. All of a sudden, a bowl drink for four people shows up in front of us. No problem. No, We were going to do one and done. I was making these guys try the Mai Tai. Yeah. And then we were going to do one and done. And then, of course, some of these guys were like, I haven't eaten yet. Right. And uh, Frank ordered the, the, the grilled cheese with tomatoes right. or whatever. Right. And, he, you know, he, he finishes it. And he's he's picky about his food and kind of a snob in his own way. And he's like, that's the best grilled cheese I've ever had in my life. <laughs> yeah. That's dope. Then the tomato dish shows up. Yeah. Un- we didn't order the tomato dish. It just drops down in front of us. Yeah. Amazing. So 
Keep going. Sorry. Bold drink drops down. Yeah. Same with we didn't order it. Like, Diablo's hey, Inferno. Yeah, that one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we 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 look at each other. Did you order this? Order this? No, we didn't order. It. No. And then the bartender says, "Oh no, this one's this one's on the house." And we're like, "On the house." And I turn around to look at the kitchen, and Jonathan immediately ducks. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, oh, he saw us walk in. Yeah. So, oh, how nice. So then we enjoy the bowl drink. Yeah. We order more drinks. Yeah. We enjoy those. And then on the way out, we walk straight to the kitchen. Oh, yeah. And I, and I pull him out of the kitchen. I'm like, dude, come over here. You know, like, let's get a photo. Thank you for the bowl drink. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, anything, you know, for you guys. I could appreciate that. And like, you know, made him feel a little uncomfortable, you know. <laughs> and then later in the day, like, you know, we, we finish our L.A. crawl, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and he posts everything on Instagram. They repost his thing. Yeah. And then they tell the story of how we walked in there. And the, but they're slightly mocking us. <laughs> These guys are doing no, a tiki crawl. Wouldn't you like to do a tiki crawl too? Well, they did something. Okay, they did post okay. something like "Be cool like these guys." Yeah, or something, something like along that. those yeah. lines. And I, we were just like, "That's cool." I think. <laughs> I think it was meant to be a compliment. It, I defi- think so it definitely too. was. Yeah. It definitely oh was. no, there, there's when, no. When, yeah, no. Nah, there's they, no mean spirit. I have more this. though. I have more story to that. Oh. So, during pandemic, here's looking at you closes. Okay. And it closes indefinitely. Yeah. And we actually thought we lost it, yeah, right? Right, right, right? And just prior to pandemic, they open All Day Baby. And they move LA's best Mai Tai to All Day Baby. That's right. Yeah. And as they're trying to stay afloat, I go in there with some friends and I sit at the bar and I order. I say, yeah, I'd like, we'd like four of those Mai Tais. Sure. There's four of us, of, you know, best Mai Tais in LA. And they show up in pint glasses. Oh. Pint? Is that good or bad? I don't, I'm like, it's well, both. I, I, I said like, why are these gigantic? That was just what they served them in there. No, they serve them in regular glasses. They did them for us like that. Okay. <laughs> because I turned I'm like, Yeah, I'm like, is that, that's good or bad? Because I turned mark. around and looked at the kitchen. And, and Jonathan. In the hallway. No, Jonathan, same thing. He leaned back <laughs> real fast so that I couldn't see him, you know? And, and Well, he's not a ninja. He's not a ninja, exactly. That's why I see him every time. But the point I'm getting at is that he's a, he's a great he's a great host. I'm sure yeah. he's deadly with a sword. Oh yeah, you think? I think he's. I, no, I'm not gonna say. It. I'm gonna say he's better with a gun, but I don't, I don't okay. want to say I don't want to say that. So what I'm doing is I'm giving Jonathan Whitener a shout out. If you guys are ever in the LA area, please check out his bars. Yes, please. His here's, restaurants. Here's looking at you. Here's restaurants. Here's looking at you and all day, baby. Uh, they are both in the greater LA area. All Day Baby is on Sunset in Silver Lake. Here's looking at you is in Koreatown. Sixth and Oxford. So there you go. Shout out to Jonathan Whitener. But um, so you were there. Yeah. Kent. And yeah, then right. now you're at Isla at Fisher. Isla. I- Isla Fisher's. Isla Fisher's. <laughs> Isla. She's an investor. No. <laughs> I was going to say, is she really? No, no. Isla. Isla. Yeah, so I'm over here at this at, at that place. It's uh. It's been a crazy ride to say the least. We've been open now for about three months. I've, I've done openings before, but it's been several years since I've done it. And this has just been a whirlwind, whirlwind for me of just being feeling like I'm behind no matter how much I do. <laughs> and we're finally starting to get our wheels dug into the sand, you know, dug in and we're going now. Like we're, we're, we're moving and things are happening. Well, so. the day that I showed up, yeah, um, you were, 
seemed like you had everything under control, but you were also, I could tell you were behind because you had to I think it was a Wednesday when you showed up. It's like my Monday. Yeah, and you had to juice a box of limes. Yeah. uh, Wow. But he was still like super hospitable. Everything was perfect. Everything was delicious. Everything's perfect right now. We ate a lot. um, And I was with John O. John O. And, uh, you know, uh, things passed the John O test. Did it really? Yeah, that's, yeah. that's good. I could tell that guy was a, you know, he was a tough one, a tough critic. You know. <laughs> he can be. That's not a bad thing. We're not dissing John O. No, we're not dissing John O. Uh, what we're saying is that if you pass the John O test, then you you're, you're know what you're doing. Yeah. Because he will call out when you don't. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you, you've worked on all of these really great spots. These are all higher end spots, right? They're not Applebee's or TGIF. Right, right sure. And um, so good in their own right, right? But they're they're well, they're they are. All the cocktails are crafted in all of these bars yeah, that you've been at. Totally, right? totally. So we're we're not talking a place that um, that hires the fly by night guy. Yeah, they're hiring bartenders, skilled bartenders that understand crafted cocktails. Yeah, the, the fly-by-night guy, if he gets past them, he's going to wash out really quick. Yeah, the guy who does weddings and, and, and graduations. Not that there's anything wrong. The world needs those uh, yeah, guys, I get too. it. I get it. But the world needs those guys, too. But those aren't the bars we hang out at. But so having said that, that. Right, I know. <laughs> we know better. Having said that, I have a question that I want to ask you. Sure. That I ask every bartender that's been on this program. Mm-hmm. No one's ever been able to answer this properly. So okay. <laughs> I, I want to get your take on this because uh, Let's it's, keep it's kind of going. like it's this it's this um, this this question for the ages, right? So so Boris and I and my son and all our friends, we really enjoy these cooking shows yeah right yeah so i really enjoy master chef tournament of champions is the best cooking show there is okay i know you're not on it i'm not on that that. it is amazing because i love gordon ramsay so i I I watch i watch all the gordon ramsay stuff but food networks tournament of champions they do it once a year and a long time ago i was in iron chef oh everyone without iron chef there'd be no food competition shows you know the yeah back in the old days the the original when they were doing the translations and you know the the judges would be translated with the right. oh my god it was so insane it's so good and yeah. I went to one of those guys's restaurants Morimoto's in in Waikiki last year so and I have a story about that too he but came out and put his dick on your shoulder that would have been incredible <laughs> cool. but he did not Lessimoto please Lessimoto I was gonna say like <laughs> I was gonna say he's Asian it couldn't have hung over too far <laughs> I can say that because I'm Asian so. <laughs> But you know these things. So, like these chefs, right? They're they're celebrated for not only their knowledge, but their 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 pedigrees, their sure. training, and rightfully so, right? You have these guys that have gone to the Cordon Blue and the American Culinary Institute, and you know all of these great schools. And I would argue that you wouldn't be able to work in any of their restaurants if you didn't have the same kind of education. Right. Right. If you walked in there and said, like, you know what, I was a fry cook at Long John Silver's, they're not going to let you work in their restaurant. They want to see where you went to culinary school, and who you studied under. Sure. So here's the conundrum. I walk into a bar, and they're all our favorite bars, right? All these great bars, Death and Co. and uh, and the Nomad 
and crafting commerce, and I can go on and on and on. And you ask them like, hey, so if, if I went to bar, bar, bartending school, could I get a job here? They would laugh at me. They would say, you know, no, 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 no. We don't hire people that went to bartending school. Yet the bartenders that get hired there, they're encouraged to further their bartending ed education by going to USBG meetings, going to Tales of the Cocktail, uh, behind the glass events. Um, you know what I mean? Like yeah, totally. you're, you're encouraged to educate yourself that's how you get better. After, well, yeah. but if you educate yourself before, you're a pariah. I, my opinion, or you're asking Kent, but I have my own answers. But go well, ahead. Well, I'd like well, to ask both of you guys. So, why is that? Well, I think first of all, it doesn't matter where you went to cooking school or who you studied under. You're not gonna. You're not gonna walk into the kitchen and they're gonna hand you a pan and said, "Okay, you're up." You're still gonna start. Doing the dishes. I get it. You know, taking out. You're still going to break you down and train you the way but, that you want to be trained. But you're calling but you education. Your culinary education is what's going to get you in the door in the first place. Right. It'll Without help. it, they're not even going to look well, at it. Well, it'll help because, I mean, there are dishwashers and other people and those jobs that do advance. I would think that that's fewer and farther between than a bar I, back you know becoming the, a I bartender. I think that they pay those guys accordingly. So... You know, they'd rather pay a guy that they've worked with for eight years than a guy walking in going, "I need one hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars a year." Oh, that's that is never. First off, that's not going to happen. <laughs> no one's getting paid that much. I, in I my just, restaurant, I pay myself that much. I well, wonder. Haven't right, opened right. yet, but right. it's going to be, it's yeah, gonna you, be you very good. It. You own it. It's going to be very good. I mean, <laughs> it's it's still like, is it a front of the house versus back of the house thing? Well, and then, okay, well, bartending, same thing. It's like, that's great that you went to bartending school and you have your certificate, like you went to a beauty college or whatever, but they're going to be like, why don't you go work at some, uh, what's the, like a, a more high profile or a high turnaround bar yeah. and get your basics in. But you're proving my point that they're not... Like the culinary degree will get you in the door, but at the bar they're saying go somewhere else first. Right. I don't know. I you know I it it it, it really depends. My experience with back of the house stuff, like what you were talking about, Adrian, about having this pedigree of doing things. People who come in and stage there, yeah, it opens a door for them to come in. But you know what they're doing when those people that have spent thousands of dollars going to CIA and oh you know. Le Cordon Bleu or whatever these places and worked in these like five like these really nice places those people the stages it opens a door yes you're right they come in but they're not getting on the line they're cutting onions sure shallots sure. they're doing sure they're doing prep work which again is most of the work right for the bar I don't know I I, I, I would say that obviously it depends on the bar but I it, and it depends on the pedigree of the bar a place like death and Co maybe they're gonna tell you to cut you know maybe they're gonna have you bar back in in, in stage in that sense or it, it, it's just very subjective I'd say to the place like that's I, a great ad that's probably the best answer I've heard yeah it, it, it's super subjective I so at Isla you know I wouldn't say that we're a, you know we're brand new I'm trying to elevate us to a level where it where bartenders want to come work with me and want to do like fun things because at this place the chef owner Brian he lets us do really fun unique things which is gonna in turn translate to the guests of having these like really fun experiences and 
you know, other places aren't like that. Now, I've got a guy, one of my uh, bartenders, you know, he asked me the other day about a very simple cocktail. I'm not going to say what it is because I don't want to call him out on it, but it, had it been in another place, they probably would have laughed at it. Moscow me. Mill. Sure. In, 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 sure, in that Cuba, range. Cuba Libre. In, 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 you know, <laughs> sure, sure. In, in, in that range, it was something like that. Dark and stormy. And, and that comes on me, right? As like, I should be training him better to be better, but also he's got to work hard and like read and do things because it's a never ending thing of Okay, better. so this I, is I would literally hire anybody who wants to be better. It's all about, for me, the attitude. This guy came in, he kept bugging me. Hey, let me, give, give me a shot, give me a shot. The shot was there. I said, all right, let's see what you got. You know, we don't have a bar back in this particular bar. So would you say that some of that goes comes down to like the, for lack of a better word, the arrogance of the person running the bar program? Because I've asked this to other people. Yeah. A lot of them have laughed and said, oh, I'd never hire somebody from bartending school. And I, and I ask them like, well, why? Yeah. And then they'll say, and I'll say they have the basics down that more of the basics down than say the average person that doesn't it has that, no idea. You know what? Yeah. I'd rather see a guy from bartending school doing his measurements than some guy who's free pouring everything to death. Right. You know. It just it all depends. You know, I if someone has a good attitude, the the, the, the thing with bartending is there's a lot of ego in it. So sure. you know, if you get somebody who wants to learn and who says, I'll do it, you know, I'll try. I'll give them a shot. I'd give them a shot. It it's, Whether it's, they went to school or not. Yeah, you know what's funny is my first bartending job at Tasting Kitchen. Um, That's where you started. It was yeah. I I, I, I was working like three or four different jobs at the time. So I had been I was bartending in some in some other places. That was like my first like real real bartending job. Okay. I had, I had done some other things that were, you know, I guess less at the time. At the time, Tasting Kitchen was like a real big place. I worked with really big name bartenders. Ryan Wainwright, John Newmiller, Justin Pike, he, would, who, he had just won Best Bartender in LA at the time. And um, they, I, I worked, you know, I worked at some other places that, you know, they probably would have laughed at me had I done that. But sure. I, I was barbacking there and uh, I kept bugging Justin to get me that position. And I had to work myself, work my way up, of course, because there was no space for me. But I mean, it's a different, it's a different time now. Back then it was, you know, there, everyone, you know, bartending was such a big deal. Now it's like, it's 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 still a big deal, but there's a different. I feel you know. like the the L.A. especially in L.A. the craft cocktail boom was really like that 2009-2013 era. Yeah, and, and because of that, everything is better now. But sure. back then, that was the there was day. events like every night, yeah. and new places were popping up, and most of those places are gone now. But at the time, it was like, oh, you got to go over here. Oh, you got to go over here. Oh, you got, you know. Right. And it was insane, and it was fun. Right. And probably bad for my liver. I mean, uh, I don't know. Like today, I think that the bar has been really raised. Like, it has, but because of that know. time. Because of that time, sure. I would agree. You know, I would agree with ago, that. Made, I would agree with it that. It made a difference. Uh, I would say though that these days it's harder to get away with a mediocre drink. Yeah. Yeah, I think the expectation is a lot higher now. It's just so funny now. Definitely. You look back then, varnish coming around, you know, all classics. Now you go to a place, you see just straight classics on the menu. No big deal, you right. know, whatever. Going back to the point where I was making about tasting kitchen and bartending school, we had a guy who went to bartending school, a server, and he had a certificate, he brought it in. We put it on the back bar. It was kind of hidden behind the shelves a little bit, but we'd pull it out just to make fun of him. 
And that was see, yeah, it was like <laughs> but you thing. know what? That and was we, important it, to him. It was though. so it, it, well. It was imp- he liked it because it was like a way for us to make fun of him and make a big deal. Like, hey, everybody, <laughs> you know, this is Sage's. Uh, see, you could never do that to a Gordon Ramsay that went yeah. to CIA, right? <laughs> yeah, no, you, you could never do that to a, to well, a they, chef they, that they, was. They also dropped like fifty thousand bucks to the, do that, right? Yeah. Okay, well, a chef that's formally trained, like, it's, you know. I don't know. I just found the disparity interesting. You know, it's so it's such schools. an interest. It, it's it's a really good question, and it's it's so hard. It's really difficult to answer, in my opinion, because it, everywhere is so different. In my world, the bartending school guys end up like at like regular, not exciting hotel bars. Yeah, they end up doing weddings, and it's good money. <laughs> sure. But you know, most people at a wedding just want to get drunk. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you know, yeah. They, they don't so care about a lot of strong you know, pour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hundred percent. You could use beet red cherries in their drinks. Yeah, you can. <laughs> you sure but a lot could. of that's champagne and wine too. You're just opening a bottle. I, you know, I know. Look, you guys, you guys got quiet there for a split second. We all love our beet red cherries. Yeah, I was, I was thinking, I was thinking about all the experiences, <laughs> all the cherries I've had in my life. <laughs> I want to go. I, take me back to like a '90s Mexican restaurant. You know, blending you know, like pina colada. I sometimes this yeah. is going to be blasphemy, but I sometimes wish that cocktails and bars were just not as complicated. Yes, right. Like if yeah. we were back and we just wanted to just have like a drink that makes us feel good. There are places like that I, still. I, like I, when I, we did our pina colada crawl, yeah. We had. You know, I really think that's going to be the. You know, it. I don't know. Maybe maybe well, this is crazy. Well, I, I agree with you because of also because of the price of cocktails. Yeah. Because yeah. people are going to be like, look, I ain't paying $20 for this drink. No. That, and that's or $24. Yeah, kind of over $18 cocktails. If, I hear if you. they could bring them and back we, we, down we to charge, eight. We charge 18 where I'm at, you know, and it's yeah. just margins are you slim. You know, like if I, can, if I can get a drink for 10 bucks, I'll take a hit on the, the quality of the ingredients. You know, I'm okay if with that. If there's a menu of eight drinks and they're all $10, I will find one that works, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, and I, 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 I'm not anti $18 drinks. I just can't do three of yeah, them. You know, it, it's hard. It's you know. It's it, it's again like I, I watched some YouTube video the other day about someone promoting. You should go and ask your bartender to recommend a place to go. Just ask him. Give me one place to go to. And I, I watched the video, and it was this. It was up in Seattle. Someone gave an, a name, and, and as she got deeper and deeper into the list, it got divier and divier. But if you think about that, right, like. Bartenders, yeah, we make we can make these like beautiful tasting drinks that are the best ingredients and like the highest, nicest, highest price, nicest alcohol and liqueurs or whatever. And you, we drink those, and but then at the end of the night, I just want a beer and a shot that costs me eleven dollars. Bartenders, it always go. comes down to beer and a shot. There you go. I remember I want a Miller Lite and a and a shot of Ancient Age, or you know, well, back in that two thousand, you know, nine two thousand thirteen era. Negronis like were super huge among bartenders, yeah. and then like Malort and all that other stuff started <laughs> popping up Wait, too. <laughs> you know it's funny. Bartenders you s- like that. You know it's funny you say that though, Kent, because I know, I know sous chefs that like, they just they eat a Del Taco when they're on their own lunch. After sure. the tea, after the tea, that's the best place to go. Yeah, yeah, it's Del Taco. Yeah, you know, and the, the and chicken then tacos, man. The people will say like, oh, I don't know if I want to take you out to eat because like. You know, like you might not. They're like, no, like I'll eat anything, just because yeah. like this is what I make at work. Yeah. You know. Right. It's the same thing with chefs, right? And, oh, you're gonna go cook at home? No, it's just you know we were talking talking about that uh, 
that the the TV series that came out, right? The the bear. Right. And yeah, you, you, the first season. Uh, <laughs> yeah. After uh, I, what's his name? I can't forget the main character's name. Carmi. Carmi. He after he you know he makes these like incredible looking meals, Michelin star getting yelled at, and then he goes home, peanut butter and jelly sandwich, crack a coke, right. open up a bag of chips. Right. I'm like that to me in my brain. I've done. How many oh, sure. times have I done that? Yeah. Yeah. That's the most real, the real yeah. thing. You know, one of the most real parts about it. Yeah. Well, there was the movie, The Menu. Right. Did you see the menu? Yeah, I did. Did you yeah. see that, Boris? I did not. I was. I heard it was pretty intense. It's intense. Damn it! You didn't see it. So now we can't I don't talk like, about it. You guys it. can talk. I'm not, I'm not afraid of spoilers. I just don't like stress. I don't like to pay to stress out. Okay. Because <laughs> this is going to be like super spoiler alert. Okay. Are you sure? Hundred percent. Okay. So let's open that menu. Let's open the menu. So the premise is that it's this really high-end, five-star, real exclusive dining that is set on this island. You take a boat to this island. You can't get there unless you have a reservation. And you have foodies and rich people and actors and all these special kind of people that go to this restaurant. And um, Ralph Fiennes is the chef. Plays an excellent job. I thought it was Ray. Ray Fiennes. Ray Fiennes. (laughs) Mike finds <laughs> so something with finds on the end. So anyway, he is this insufferable chef that's just like very dictator-like to his staff, and his staff take orders as though they're robots. Right. Yeah. yeah. And he serves these really excellent culinary dishes, but you can tell he's not happy. Right. He's just not happy, and someone shows up on the restaurant that was not on the reservation list. She came as a guest of another person um, who brought her in place of someone else who was on the list. But so she wasn't on the list. They give she gives her name at you know, when they're getting on the boat, they're like, You're not on the list. But they end up putting her on the on on the boat and they bring her to the restaurant. So I'm I'm already like really spoiling this shit. Like, are you sure you want me to keep going? I think the movie's been out for a little while now. Twenty five percent. Let's wrap. Let's head head for the finish. So, as course after course comes out, there's a story behind each one, and it basically culminates into the end where the final course is everyone meets their death, right? And she's spared her life, and I didn't understand why, but I. You know, watched all the commentaries afterwards, like the, you know, opinions on what they think, like what what it means, what the ending means, and the ones that made sense to me all said the same thing that she ordered a cheeseburger because at one point in the movie, she escapes the dining room and she she breaks into his bedroom because he lives on the island, and she sees these awards in frames where he had won. A best burger, in, yeah, you right, know, or something. Right. These best burger words. He had a big smile on his face, right? And so she orders a burger, and he makes this burger passionately and lovingly. And what people explain the meaning of behind that is that it was the last time he cooked happily, because when he became a five-star chef, he was no longer happy making these. T- and he, you see, when he goes from course to course, he. He gripes to each person, like one is one, there's two people are food critics, and he cooks to satisfy the food critic. And then he, he, 
he gripes to a rich so couple. It was the last time he enjoyed himself. Exactly. And he gripes to them about that their expectations for the kind of food that they expect to eat there, you know, and all this and that. And it was the last time he enjoyed cooking for himself, right? It was a cheeseburger. And she was spared her life, right? So because she ordered, she chose well, She wisely. was smart about it too. She chose something yeah, that yeah. he, she knew he would be happy to make, okay. yeah. right? Because everything else he made was, he was Grudgingly. unhappy, right? Yeah. So when we talked about this earlier, right? You see like Gordon Ramsay yelling and then, and and the menu that, that really, I'm sorry, um, the bear, the chef that the that Carmi worked for was yeah, like, Joel McHale, was just so insufferable. Oh my God! Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. There's it. It, the, it looks like there's no joy. There's no joy in making these culinary dishes. But is, they explain yeah. why they do that in the second season of the bear. Okay. And it like, it like. Okay, don't this, spoil that for me. I know I spoiled yeah, the. Hang on, hang on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not yeah. spoiling anything. Right. This season, there's ten episodes. There were three episodes that, as they went, I was like, "This is my favorite episode." Oh, then another one happened. I was like, "This is my this favorite, favorite episode." You want, you, the, should the, we get some ice cream? By the way, do you want it? Yeah. You, you what what kind of ice you need? I got that that penny pound stuff. Okay. The, uh, the block cubes. I'll go get it. Yeah. And right. so each each three times it became my favorite episode, and every episode's great. But there were three that was like where I was like, "Wow." Yeah. You know, and I and then it ends, and you're like. I need more of yeah. this show. It's just, it's, it's really interesting, like what you're talking about as far as, and going back to the menu of the roots of all of these people, cooks and whatnot going into it is because they like it and they're happy doing it. But then it gets so uptight and wound up of this needs to be perfect and this needs to be this and this needs to be that. And that it's so common. And then it's just, you know, breaking that down and, right. you know, Going back to that movie. Right. Another movie that's cool like that in a different way is City of Gold. Did you see City of Gold? I haven't seen that one. Uh, thanks, Adrian. You haven't seen City And I don't think you, you haven't seen City of Gold yet either, have you? So, Dodgy the Giotto. City of Gold, I'm not familiar with. Jonathan Gold movie? No, I don't know oh that movie. Oh, that's God. a Jonathan Gold movie? Yes, it's about Jonathan Gold. Oh, okay. He made it while he was still alive. I love the name, by the way. Yeah, great and name. It's, it's it's gold. Ins- you guys both, like, I'm giving you homework. You, I think it's on Tubi, actually, too, so it's it's not hard to find. And it'll blow your mind, and you will cry. City of, of Gold. City of Gold. And it just talks about how he, you know, he, he, he unfortunately, he died... Uh, a few months after it came out, okay. it was it was a really weird time for food because Bourdain died, and then Jonathan Gold was dead a year later, and it was like those two guys were really important for the way food is right now. Yeah, yeah. You know what I loved about Bourdain was he was he was spindly. One, well, I was going to say he was one of us. He was a guy that yeah. hung out in the same bars that we hung out at. And um, he did a lot. It, it, it ties into the whole menu thing. It's it like, does. Have yeah. a Negroni, drink a cheap beer, eat, you yeah. know, this. Yeah. It doesn't, sauce, it doesn't right. need to be, it doesn't need to be this fancy Michelin stuff. It, yeah. When yeah. he, when, when he was still doing no reservations before he went to parts unknown, he did seven episodes. I think, I think it was, it was five or seven on Tiki. He, he Did went he to really? Tiki Bars. Well, he went to Tonga Room. I know that. He went to Tonga Room. He went to Otto Shrunken Head. He went to oh, Jade yeah. Island. He yeah, went to yeah, La Mariana. Yeah. 
He went to... I didn't know he went to La Mariana. Ooh. He went to La Mariana. How cool of an episode. He went to f like five or six. He went to Trader Vic's Emeryville. So he was... No he loved ones. rum and tiki drinks. And there's an episode where he's in Jamaica. I think it, that was uh, Parts Unknown. And, you know, they're at the Chris Blackwell estate or whatever, and these guys making these fabulous-looking rum one. cocktails. There's one loose one. And it was just like... No matter what he was doing or what, whatever slant the show was heading towards or whatever, he always loved a, a solid rum cocktail. Yeah. And that was really cool. Yeah. I'm, he just reminds me of someone that I could hang out with at Tiki Tea. Could you imagine? Man. Yeah. So you cool. know, like I'm surprised it, it's not one of the well, bars he's found his way into. When he did into. the layover and they did an th episode about L.A., they asked Naomi where she likes to drink. And Naomi said Tiki Tea. Really? Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I know that one's imperfect, but you know what? Uh, it doesn't matter. So Tiki it's, on, it's on, on video, yeah, so yeah. good. Tiki T gets a shout out on, on the layover. Oh, I love it. Yeah. I love it. So, you know, yeah. something Mikey said to me once was how much um, he regrets not having Tiki T be the Tiki bar in the movie Swingers. They had right. approached them to, to be the Tiki bar in the movie Swingers. Really? Yeah. And, uh, you know, at the time, his dad said said no they they were very firm about not doing anything with movies or anything like well, outside ray was still alive then oh that's right so well the way that mikey tells me the story is like he said yeah my dad said no well i'm sure they probably approached your dad so you like know uh so that's why these days he's he's loosening up to that he's like yeah he's like i want to change that he's like if, if a movie studio comes in says hey we'd like to film a scene here yeah come on in bring it I'd love to see the Tiki T and more stuff. Yeah, sure. that'd be so cool. Until totally I can't cool. get in anymore. Well, we'll. I think we'll always have fun. Yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. All right, thank you, Kent. What oh, are we yeah, drinking? Cheers. So this one is called the Drunken Sailor. Drunken Sailor. Yeah, Drunken Sailor. This is a um, it smells. Oh my amazing. God. Yeah, old fa old fashioned riff. A uh, couple types of bitters. We've got orange and Angostura in here. We've got a bit of honey. I made a honey syrup. It's Ooh. four parts honey to one part water. So if you had an ounce of honey, you would put quarter ounce of really hot water to mix it in together. Then there's a bit of Diplomatico uh, Exclusiva Reserva. And then there is a bit of Mama Juana in this one. Mama Juana, what's yeah. Mama Juana? Mama Juana is a Dominican like herbal tincture. Um, it, it, it was done as like a medicinal thing. Uh, it's, a, it's quite a few different types of like uh, leaves, Bark. So this is you made this. Yes. Now you can buy. I watched him. You can buy this oh, uh, online <laughs> in, on on Amazon or you know it's Mama Juana. Mama want to take a nap after this. Yeah. So so yeah. for our listeners that don't obviously can't see what I'm looking at, I'm holding a bottle. Now we should take a picture of these actually before we. Yeah. What what's oh, inside yeah. this bottle? So it's 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 bark leaves. Uh, Bottle with bark. Bark and leaves. That's and what leaves. I would describe it as. And then it, this is infused, I assume. Correct. Yeah. So it, it's it's a whole process. This bottle I've, I've had for over 10 years now. Oh, wow. It is, uh, you, what you do is it, it, you buy this packet online on eBay or Amazon. It comes to you. You get your own bottle. You fill it. You, you, you funnel in all these things and then you cure it. So you take red wine and you cure it. And you have to cure it a couple times because the wood is so strong and wow. astringent. Then after you cure it, then you go through the next process of filling it up with like rum and sweetener. Now you can do like a different mix of things on this. Um, I do Spanish, like a cheap Spanish rum. 
and then honey, and then I, I let that mix together. I just dump it out because the first few batches are not it. gonna be good. Now, but uh, then after that- But then the, the, then the wood chips have all been seasoned. Yes, right? correct. Then you, then almost you, like a sourdough mother. Yeah. But it's a mama wana mother. The mama wana mother. It's a mama now, wana. Now this one in the DR, they call this the parapalo, which means for the stick. It's like an aphrodisiac type of thing. And you can fill it up with whatever rum, with what, whatever sweetener you want to. In this case, I did Jamaican rum and honey. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's fantastic. It just adds a herbaceous quality to the drink. Love it. Yeah. This wow. is an amazing drink. Yeah, it's such a cool drink. It is drink. amazing. It is amazing. Yeah. This is this is so it's old fashioned riff. Mm -hmm. uh, I can taste the honey in that, mm -hmm. and the aromatics on that are just wonderful. Insane, oh, right? I can, Insane. I, if wonderful. this was a candle, I would be just as happy. Yeah. To smell this, unbelievable. As I am to drink it, it's so unbelievable. Good. Yeah. So it's got that. It's got the the diplomatico, the mama Juana honey, and then I throw an amaro in there too. So like a, a Italian bitter, very nice digestif. This one we're using is called amaro de la barista. It's Literally tastes like bark and dirt, and wow. I just felt let's like. Let's get a it, picture I, with the the mama wana. Yeah. All right, let's put that in there. I just feel okay. like it, it companions that really nicely. Now we've got the light behind the bottle because it's coming from behind the bar. Can you light that up, Boris? Uh, I don't know where my phone is. Which oh, this my camera light? No, yeah. Okay, That's I got fine. it. I got ten feet, right? You got ten feet. All right. Oops, sorry. Is oh, I love good? how you did that. Is that okay? okay like leave that? that there. Okay, right. one sec. Sorry. And for our listeners, we're you know we're geeks about this stuff, right? We try to get some really great photos of our. So you see all this tape. Cocktails. This is like from Come years. Come to the front. Of... Come to the front over here. There we go. Yeah, that's beauty. Beautiful. Love it. Okay. This is all based on taste, so you, you do it at home, it's no problem. It's just kind of expensive to get it done originally yeah, at the start. Yeah, I bet, I yeah. bet. But I once it's it. good, it's it's like such a fun, and we, we'll, we'll take a little shot of this later if you guys want to try it by itself. Yeah, you know yeah. what? I have shot glasses right there. Let's let's pour some of that out. Okay. Now, before you do that, yeah. Kent, Yeah, yeah. Um, we're at the one-hour mark, Okay. believe it or not. Uh, wow. I like to keep I it up. I choose not to believe it. I like to keep it at an hour-ish for uh, our listeners. I'm happy to keep talking with you guys. Like these hours just run by so fast for me, you know. Crazy. Um, well, you guys met. Let's see where the yeah trademark brewing. Yeah, you know yeah. what? I apologize, but I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, well, you were you, host, <laughs> well, you hosted the, you hosted the event, and I stopped you and I said, "Hey, I just wanted to say hello. I listened to your podcast. You know, I love it. I love yeah, it. I, just I, I think to that's say probably hello. what you said too. So for our listeners out there. <laughs> who don't know, you know, a lot of people, they introduce themselves and they compliment me on the Desert Oasis Room, I appreciate it so much, but a lot of them think it's like Sesame Street and they'll never see it with their own eyes, you know? And Kent's living proof that just, all you gotta do is ask, and if, if you're close by, like, let's make it happen, come down and let's have a drink or two and I might throw you on the camera. Yeah, make sure they awesome. ask you, not me. Yeah. Right. <laughs> So there you go. So I'm happy to have Kent here, but all right, we're going to do a little taster of these. Mm -hmm. All right. So this is the Mama Juana. The is Mama that your Juana. name for it or is that like that's a, a, the actual that's name? That's actual name. Yeah. All right. You, uh, if you go on Wikipedia, it's going to give you a better explanation than I could properly give you, but it's uh, it, it, it goes. It goes back. This uh, is insane. Do you, you you don't serve this at Isla, do you? Nah. Okay. So how do you come up with? Drinks like this, because when I have people like you over here, 
I am always blown away by the innovation and the creativity and the skill involved in like coming up with a drink like this and the last two drinks you made for us for the videos, right? Everything like, has been fantastic. Fantastic. Oh, good. Like I always think about the creativity behind like how do you even think of that? Right. Well someone introduced me to this actually, and then that's how I got involved in it. Okay. So 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 Justin Pike introduced me to this stuff. But you know, Ooh. when you when you get introduced to all these different things, then your brain switches and you you get into this what flavors work with what. Once you right. try all these different the, the the whole spectrum of all these different alcohols, you know. It's like artistry. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, where, and where is Justin Pike now? Uh he's not working in bars anymore. He's uh he was always is and always was an artist, uh but more of like painting and drawing and stuff. Oh wow. And he lives on the East Coast now with his family. He's got a a uh, couple kids and he's doing his thing. All right, so. let's, okay. let's give this. Uh, his leg his legacy will live on. Cheers. Yeah. Cheers. Wow. Oh, that is special. Right? Wow. I sw I taste the sweetness in that. Right. There's a, the, the little bit of honey. Yeah. Again, you can do what you want on it, but I it's just, weird. It wrapped around my tongue. Yeah. But it gave me a, a nice mouthfeel too. Yeah. Very neat. Yeah. It's just layering on more flavors Amazing. in this drink. Yeah. Amazing. All right, so what's the name of your old-fashioned riff? The Drunken Sailor. Drunken Sailor. All right, yeah. cheers, guys. Cheers. Thank you guys for cheers. driving out. Sure. To buttfuck Eastvale. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to drive, honestly, was kind of nice. And, you know, you get out in, in, in it, and then you're around, you realize how open and wide it is. It's yeah. kind of, it's, Well, I'll tell you, you, you know. breathing down your neck. I'm in LA every yes. day, uh, every week. Uh, this past these past three days, I was out there every day. I'm in LA at least once a week, sometimes twice a week, sometimes three times a week. I'll be in Long Beach tomorrow. Like everywhere I go is about an hour. Yeah. But here in Eastville, I can have my castle. You know, so yeah. uh, you know, I know it's not exactly around the corner, but I couldn't afford a house like this anywhere else. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I'm out here. You know, it was the perfect size. In my opinion, when my kids were here growing up, they're both moving out. This well, my son moved out when he was 17, and he started going to UCLA. And he's never really been back home other than like for one month or two month stints at a time between schools or whatever. And he's home right now for the next two months with two cats. He's got two cats. Too? He's got two, and I have four, so there's six in the house oh, right now. Oh, did he take two from here? No, he got his own two. Got it. He got one it. of them. I'm lying. One of them was a stray that I took in. He took that, and then okay. he adopted another one. Yeah, but I replaced the I replaced the stray with one. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, what I'm getting at is that um, it was the perfect size for when they were here, but now it's gigantic. It's just me and my wife. So, but hey, you know what? It's all relative. If I, it'd be nice to downsize so you know I have less of a house to take care of but it wouldn't cost me any less so yeah, I'm, I'm just gonna stay those rooms I'm just gonna stay yeah I mean like what with the cats and then like having I'm people walk kidding. through okay well no <laughs> people do that they, I know they yeah. rent the rooms you know if those rooms were not if they had their own entrance right from right. the outside yes and their own bathrooms and their own bathrooms yeah but they're just part of the inside of the house so. right that's I mean, all right. is, you'll fill them with stuff are they upstairs is it like upstairs? They're upstairs I mean you could all uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know what I'm talking about. But. but your kids are happy when they come home and they get to stay in their own room. They'll have their own rooms, but I doubt, like, when would my son ever stay in his own room again? Christmas Eve? Maybe if he has too much to drink. 
Yeah. They don't come out here so they can wake up first thing Christmas morning? They're adults now. Yeah. This Christmas will be 24 years old. You think he's looking for Santa? <laughs> Santa starts in Eastvale. Right. Santa starts in Eastvale. They faked it for a while, you know, like, oh, this is what I'd like for Christmas. And from Santa, I'd like this too. Like, oh, okay, well, yeah. you know, you're supposed to write a note to Santa. Well, well, you could do that for us. It was like, okay, I get it. You guys know. And then one time I called them out on it. I said, okay, you guys know there's no Santa. Oh, well. Blah, You're going to put this blah, on the blah, podcast? Blah, what if someone's listening in their car with their... With their kids? With their kids. Spoiler alert. <laughs> okay, so there's no Santa in Eastvale then. Not in Eastvale. <laughs> so, yeah, so then I said, yeah, you guys know there's no Santa, so you ain't getting Santa gifts this year. So like, oh, well, does that mean that we can spend twice as much on our Christmas gift? Like, no, 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 that's not how it works. <laughs> yeah, so. We're downsizing all the time. Right, right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. You know, my, my, my folks... Um, I, I remember my mom specifically, she always said, this is going to be the home base. And I think that's like an important thing. And that was always important for me. In my it's family. very important. It is very important. It's a home like, base. Yeah. I grew up in a home that I've lived, that I lived in as, as much as I've, as long as I lived in this one. And I consider that the home that, that's like my home. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, but you know, like, I don't know if it's the way that they feel just right now because you know, they're at that age, but they really don't want to live in Eastvale anymore. Yeah. You know, my daughter's moving to Riverside in August. Which is what, across the street? I know. It's about 30 minutes away where she's living. Okay. And then my son happens to be, he's got, he's been looking at apartments out in Silver Right, Lake. But, you, but Cindy's still going to come by and do laundry? Probably. Hope, yeah. well, I mean, like, she's got laundry where she's living, but yeah, pro, I don't know. So, we'll see. And... It's, a, it's just a lousy feeling, though, like... When my when my mom sold our house, and it was like, okay, come and get your stuff, you know. So like, yeah. you keep taking a little bit more of your childhood and whatever yeah, and your yeah. memories with you, and then when she passed away, then it was like, now I got to bring all my stuff, and it was just like, you know, I don't have the room, but also it was like, Saying I liked the, it somewhere else. Plus, <laughs> saying bye to the family home. Yeah, right. that's that's never cool. Uh, that's the hardest thing. I actually thought like, where would I live if I sold this house? If I downsize, like, where Probably would I the live? house behind Tiki T. <laughs> I know, but I thought, like... You build a second story on Tiki T? That's where you're going to I thought, like, ah, maybe I should move out there because I'm always at the Tiki T and uh -huh. like, my friends are out there and I do mm -hmm. stuff in L.A. And I thought, like, I don't want to just... I don't want to move out there just because it's close to the Tiki T. I don't want to do that. That's like, not good. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, I do know. I don't want to be that, like, obsessive about right. it. Right. You know, so I don't know, you know? So for now, I'm not going anywhere. Well, when I was in this elementary is, school... This is where I'm staying. Uh, the school I went to, there were houses, you know, I'm sure. You, you, where did you go to elementary school? Huntington Beach. Okay. There was a house, you know, the school's here. There's a house like right in the corner next to the school. So every time I'd be walking to school, like almost a mile, like, I, you know, not in the snow or anything like that. I'd be like, <laughs> I wish my parents would move to that house. Right. <laughs> you know, so I could walk nine feet and be at school. <laughs> right. Yeah. But now I'm like, you know, like the last few jobs that I've had, I was just like, I want to work in a place where I don't accidentally drive by on the weekend. <laughs> oh, that's I a don't want to see any of the streets. I don't want to see anything reminding me of work on the weekend. That's a great. I yeah. want to be just yeah. like, keep that away from me. Yeah. yeah. So I always wondered about the people that wanted to buy a place close to their work. 
I understand the convenience. The convenience is cool, but, but you know what? Like a job is a job. We always have a different. That's job. That's more of a work forward person than I than I am. Yeah, I like to keep work. And, I always thought and like regular life separate. Love where you live. Your job's gonna be where it's gonna be. Right. Like, love where you live, but shop and test it. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> where is that? Yeah. <laughs> but like a year from now, you may not be working in LA. You might be working in Irvine. Right. Or you might be working in Long Beach or like wherever. Well, that those is. people have like, a home base where all their stuff from their child. Their big wheel is still at their parents' house, so they can go to apartment to apartment to, to follow yeah, the work. I don't know. My stuff is like my my apartment's getting more and more crowded, yeah. and it's not comfortable. But, and I think it's I think it's a live where you may, but work and work and shop in Tustin. <laughs> what is this Tustin thing? That's the, like the logo for oh, the, gotcha, the motto gotcha. for their city. Yeah, gotcha. Tustin. No, yeah. one one of my so I trained this one girl, uh, Lainey. She was a uh, she was like a server host, she did everything in this one place that I worked at, uh, not, none of which we spoke about, but um, she lived in Tustin and that was always her thing. She's like, I live in Tustin. It's like, where? Right, right. You know. And she was proud about it. Right? She was super yeah, yeah. proud She loved it. living in yeah. Tustin, yeah. Oh yeah. Well, they have a crab cooker there, so. Yeah. <laughs> they do? Yes. Wait, oh. is that a restaurant? Yes. What the hell is crab, a crab, crab cooker? Is that, great. Great is that restaurant. like a boiling crab or something? No, it's not, oh. It's great. That, I hate that, that uh, the, the boiling crab. You know, like here comes your your bat your trash bag filled with corn cobs right. and crab. I hate the price. I don't mind the. the well, taste. That's, I, just, I, don't, I don't like the mess, but the crab that's is Cajun more, style. more New England. Uh, yeah, crab the, the crab and, cooker, and seafood. The crab, the the one you're talking about with yeah. coming a bag is Cajun yeah. style. But it's Cajun. Wait, what, what, it's well, Asian Cajun. So Asian so Cajun. crab cooker is more like like boil like dump on the table type thing. No, no, no. Like I, don't, a, I don't know what New plate. England means. Oh. Well, like clam chowders and like crab claws and you know like cool salmons and stuff like that okay yeah we'll have to go yeah okay then let's go cool. we'll go okay you heard it here first you guys we're, we're doing a trip to the crab cooker the Tustin one why the Tustin one okay we can go to Newport Beach if okay. you want okay Tustin's okay. easier to park we're just gonna go to the Tustin one because that's what <laughs> we're, gonna do we're both. talking about we're doing both can I tell the story of the Newport one what's the story I'm gonna embellish it a little bit because it's funny because that's what you do because that's what I do so <laughs> I want we, to embellish. We went to the crab cooker in Newport Beach one time, and you know Boris is a, in the entertainment industry. He knows a lot of people in the business. Yeah. And uh, one of these guys, I which which shall na- remain nameless, large Italian guy from The Sopranos. Okay. Large Italian guy, wearing that's a half the Sopranos. Wearing like yeah, that's why yeah, I can be <laughs> no, anonymous about it. Large Italian guy. I'll say it again. Tall, large Italian guy. <laughs> he had a. He was wearing the plastic lobster bib, so it looked okay. like he was wearing a like a doily on his chest, right? Sure. And Boris walks in, and he's like all greasy. And he turns to Boris. He's chewing a lobster or something. He's like, "Hey, Boris, what are you doing here?" And Boris is like, "Hey." <laughs> and of course, our group looks at Boris and we're like. You know that dude? He was on The Sopranos. And Burst was like, <laughs> Burst was like, yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> he was so embarrassed. It went well. It went well. It, went it, well. it wasn't. It wasn't that I was embarrassed, but it was like, if it didn't go well, it could have been embarrassing, and it, and it went perfectly. It went great. great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We just turned to our table, sat down. Yeah. <laughs> and had our lives. Everybody's, like, right. everybody's looking at Boris like, who's that guy? Right. <laughs> And of course, I'm like, yeah, I'm eating with Boris. Yeah. <laughs> love it, love it. Yep. All right, we are at the one hour and fifteen 
minute mark. Let's wrap it up. I think it's a good time to wrap it up. Let's start by thanking our friend Ken Thompson for... Ken Thompson, thank you so much for being the here. The excellent Hamilton. cocktails. Thank you, Kent. Adrian as... Eustachio. Eustachio, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I tried. Eustachio. I love it. I Got love it. it. Thank you for recording the videos with us. For our listeners out there that want to see how to make one of Kent's cocktails, check out our YouTube channel, DesertOasisRoom.com slash PolynesianPop. I may or may not put one in the Patreon, but if you join the Patreon, it helps the show stay on the air. So patreon.com slash polynesianpop. And if you want to follow our friends, Boris is at that Boris guy. On Instagram, yeah. On Instagram. And Kent is at craft and consume on Instagram. And uh, if you guys want to listen to the archive, you can find that on the website, desertracestroom.com. Follow me on Instagram at polynesianpop. Thanks for listening to another episode of Inside the Desert Racist Room. Let's do a quick toast to our listeners. Cheers to cheers you guys. Cheers. cheers, you guys. All right, Good cheers and aloha. Aloha. I'm John Coyle. And John Coyle. <laughs> we love you, John. <laughs>